Hello, everybody, and welcome to Six Feet Under. We've got a great one for you today. Uh, first, I'd like to start by asking our very special guest to please introduce yourself as you would like to be introduced. Hi, I'm Gita. Uh, that's my standard introduction. Is <laughs> um, am I being referred to now? Oh yes, my name is Gita. Uh, I'm a writer. I write about video games. Um, I also like tabletop games. I've actually been meaning to play more tabletop games um, because I've been listening to some actual play podcasts and remembered that it's very, very fun to roleplay. So I'm really excited and happy to be here for this specific episode. We are definitely happy to help with that. Uh, Where can people find all that writing? Um, in a variety of places because I am a freelancer, which is a fancy <laughs> way of saying I don't have a job. Um, but I am the editor for the game section at Pace Magazine and also the comedy section at Pace Magazine. Uh, but most of my games writing now is going to be on MTV News. I have a piece about yes. Doom that is going to go up hopefully soon if I can get over my ego and do some edits to it. Looking at the state of our backlog, uh, that will be out long before this, so be sure to link it for you. Uh, (laughs) uh, And uh, don't forget, uh, podcast fans, you can find Gita on the Match 3 podcast uh, every Wednesday? That's a Wednesday show, yes. Yeah, Yeah, we record Tuesday, and it's always uh, interesting. We never remember to change the date, to not be the date that we're recording for our show notes, but the day after, so... (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, we're on, and uh, f- with the regular crew, we have myself, Drackle, and Gnome. Uh, we're going to play a session of Spirit of 77. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, we're going to have a bit of a pod chat, like we tend to do, about uh, exploitation films and why bad media makes for good gaming. Now, see, the thing about Spirit of 77 is, as you might guess from the name, it's a uh, funk-infused... Uh, action game taking the best parts of a bad decade so uh it seems like a a perfect opportunity to talk about i guess a bit of received wisdom and that is that uh really schlocky movies are the perfect inspiration for really good game sessions and and how that works and why that works as we were getting ready for the show i was on twitter.com and a clip from a, just a video from someone who lives in Cleveland showed up. They're filming Fast and Furious 8 there. And this is a video of like six cars falling out of a building and then exploding. <laughs> and I, was, <laughs> um, I was thinking about this, like the Fast and Furious films, they're not Oscar winners. They don't really have a lot to do. You know, there's not a lot of there there. There's a lot of driving and a lot of, we're a family. Um, but it's so compelling because it's exciting. It's just like a movie that's constructed as like a series of events that are linked up by basically string. Um, mm-hmm. And like that seems to be like a lot how, how tabletop gaming works also is that you have a DM who's got a basic idea of where he wants the party to go. And then everyone tries to engineer how we get to the exciting, the exciting part, the big event. Right. Uh, I think a great example of that is my my favorite tabletop gaming movie has to be The Last Witch Hunter because it feels so much like uh, a D&D session or rather some sort of uh, modern fantasy uh, campaign. 
in that there's all these set pieces and there are side characters that if it was built as a movie would show up for more than one sequence but because this is clearly built as a game campaign they are uh, only important for one night and then we come back next Saturday and they don't matter anymore and <laughs> I love The Last Witch Hunter just for that structure so much I've been meaning to watch that, actually. My friend told me that it's, yeah, just definitely Vin Diesel's D&D session that he made into a movie. The, the, yeah, that sounds great. The fashion lady, like, sequence, that is exactly that sort of NPC. <laughs> who who I'm sure uh, will pop up, like, as a DM's pet NPC if, if there were a sequel, but there certainly will not be. Um. I actually, in college, I played a little bit of D&D with my ex-boyfriend, and we had just watched the movie Your Highness, and then our game of D&D just became Your Highness. Your Highness is a stoner fantasy flick, um, and it's exactly exactly what it sounds like. It's it's the, maybe the worst movie, but I also own a copy of it on DVD, <laughs> because it's, um, yeah, it's like playing D&D with your extremely stoned boyfriend. That's exactly what it is. You can't stop <laughs> doing funny voices. Uh, but one thing that I think uh, can help inspire uh, a game session out of some schlocky film or other media is how the good ones anyway, the, the ones that aren't just boring bad. Sort of the point is that they eschew subtlety entirely. So it's really easy to find the the bits you want because there's nothing hiding them there's nothing obscure about like i don't know sharknado so <laughs> so you can take away all the bad stuff and you can work with something as ridiculous and engaging as you know the the most bizarre uh disaster you could think of it, they're the kind of move like for movies especially when you watch them like it doesn't take much for you to know what this movie's about because that's all it is. Right. To, to go back like, to I the. Think, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, like you're watching Death Wish, and it doesn't. You only need to watch it for a few minutes before you know. Okay, this is a movie about there's lots and lots of shooting people in the streets, <laughs> shooting gang members in the streets. Oh. Uh, yeah. Of quasi justifiable, <laughs> not really justifiable, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you watch Face Off, and it's like it's because you like John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, and in this movie they play each other, which is thrilling. And then also it's John Woo, so it's just like doves everywhere and dramatic gunfights, and that's really all the movie is about. There's like a veneer of a plot on top of it, but someone pitched this movie by going into an executive's office and being like. What if Nicolas Cage was John Travolta and John Travolta was Nicolas Cage? And that's what the whole movie is. And you're there, there just to enjoy that. Yeah. Or um, to go back to our, uh, I think maybe the first example that was floated, the, the Fast franchise, where it's all about not only the stunts, but family and the family you choose, the family you build, because they never stop saying the word family. Uh, <laughs> No subtlety there. They've got a theme, and if that resonates with you, you can pick it up and just use it the way you want to. Yeah, and when you're doing, like, tabletop gaming, or role-playing games, like, you really have to... You're making up the story on the fly, so you don't have a lot of time to, like, do subtle foreshadowing, I guess, unless you're Austin Walker and a genius. <laughs> but, like, 
you don't have a lot. You, if you want to hit a theme, like a thematic point in the story, you kind of have to say outright, I'm trying to do this thing. So everyone kind of has to roll with it or mm -hmm. roll against it, I guess. If they want to be an asshole. Well, not an asshole, but just a little contradictory. I think another point that makes uh, less renowned media, I, I, I guess, a great source for games is that there's no, uh, there's no pressure, there's no expectation. Like you're you're not going to go to Schindler's List for your Holocaust movie because you're not going to be able to do Schindler's List. It is beyond you. You know, you're someone with reasonable expectations in a dining room table, mm -hmm. but the that nazi zombie movie that was kind of oh. trashy but kind of fun you dead can snow. yeah you can work with dead snow <laughs> <laughs> there's no intimidation there you you can handle that yeah i mean you can handle indiana jones yeah 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 you're there's no pressure to be orson wells here you can you can just be michael bay and it's fine we're here to have fun that's one of the things that uh, I really like about these kinds of movies, especially, is they show you things and tackle things that you don't really see that much in mainstream media. Like, especially if you think about, like, old Hong Kong martial arts movies. Like, you're not going to see anything like that coming from an Amer a big American studio of the time. Um, or, go ahead. Yeah, but I, that's just really my point. Like, and I think that is really interesting for tabletop gaming because I think for a lot of people, when they think tabletop gaming, they think that means swords and wizards and stuff. But there's actually a lot of different settings and ideas you can you can use to make a unique uh, game experience. Yeah, I just Absolutely. read this interview no, okay thanks i just heard this interview with john waters actually um talking about uh good bad taste and bad bad taste and i think the di the difference he explains is good bad taste is just seeing something that is completely off the wall that you didn't expect and like cherishing the people that made it um and then the difference there with bad bad taste is like when a yuppie puts a pink flamingo on their lawn it's like they're late to the joke and they're kind of mocking it um and i think a lot of people think tabletop gaming is more like bad 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 taste where we're all here kind of ironically but we're actually here because we love schlocky bullshit and we want to celebrate it and be a part of it and make our own schlocky weird you know off the wall story i didn't watch all these animes for high art <laughs> I'm here for the ridiculous <laughs> plot lines and explosions. Yeah, if it gets a place where I start crying by accident, I'm not mad about it, but I just want to see people get in robots and punch each other. Yeah. I want to see people's ghosts turn into buff muscle men and punch spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> to return the spaghetti to its component parts. It's yeah, obvious. it was very important. That's... That's not in this game. Um, <laughs> why are we? Why are we? Why are it looks we like I got to schedule something else in the, at the last minute. Okay, great. Uh, All right, I'll go get JoJo's. I don't think there is a JoJo's RPG yet. I'll write JoJo's. You're gonna make one tomorrow. I'll make one. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad about playing a JoJo um, RPG. That that actually sounds incredibly tight. As long uh, as every play session ends with us playing roundabout, I think we'll be good. 
if we can get the rights. <laughs> I actually had a really good idea about how to do a core concept for a JoJo's game, but that's probably outside the scope of this table talk. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Email me later. I want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Gita, you, uh, as a cinema studies person, are our big expert on this one. Would (laughs) would you care to give uh, us and the folks at home just like a quick primer on what exploitation film is? It's sort of like the defining movement of the 70s, or at least the the 70s product that I think has the, the strongest heritage through film reaching to today. Yeah, so... Fuck um, you, New Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Scorsese, who the fuck's that? Uh, yeah, it's... They're basically B-movies, but the people that making these B-movies were, like, doing a ton of cocaine. They are schlocky and violent and really interested in spectacle more than anything else. They're, like, sort of amateur films, but they're not intending, I guess, to be anything more than they are. Um, <clears throat> the like explo- exploitation films are, I guess, defined by gratuitous violence, sexy women, um, and there's sort of the subgenre of like the black exploitation film, which wasn't the birthplace of black cinema in, in the United States, but is the place where black directors and actors began to get a foothold into Hollywood and Hollywood filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably with uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, which is also um, the entire soundtrack was done by Earth, Wind, and Fire before they got big. Like it was like the first project they did. Um, in Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, you follow the character of Sweet Sweet Sweetback, where he kills a lot of people and fucks a lot of women. And that's basically the entire movie. The movie kind of sucks. <laughs> but just unabashedly itself. And I think that's why it is so enduring. There's no pretentiousness. There's no irony. It's just a black filmmaker wanted to make a movie where black people were cool. And mm-hmm. so he made that movie. And, you know, you look at Charles Bronson and how like Kung Fu movies um, or even Valley of the Dolls 2, the second one, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And that those are all movies that are just about themselves they're like perfect tautologies they don't really they want to entertain and nothing else which means they are pure like conceptually pure this is becoming like maybe a little too technical or theoretical but <laughs> basically they exploitation films they it's not i'm trying to like come up with a snappy tagline but it's they are exactly what they want to be yeah, yeah, there you go. You did it for me. Thanks for that, rope. <laughs> Teamwork, all right. Uh... <laughs> like, the example that pops to my mind, I, do, I haven't watched many films from before, like, like, the old Star Wars and Indiana Jones is my entire reference for that time period. I don't, well, I haven't watched anything earlier. But, like, the one that pops to my mind is the Bro, movie you gotta Redline. watch Casablanca. Like, that's, that's outside the realm right now, but you gotta watch <laughs> Casablanca. Do it for me. <laughs> okay, maybe sometime. Uh, but the film that pops to my mind for that kind of thing is like Redline, where it is it is a race movie. That is the entirety of what Redline is. <laughs> they were really dedicated to making a racing movie. Redline is, is my favorite porn movie that has no actual sex. Uh, 
there are a fair amount of titties, and there are a lot of good-looking dudes, There's and they all do cool things. The most powerful phallic symbols it. in film can be found in Red Line. Uh. Yeah. Like how he crosses the finish line with nothing but his pompadour? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, this is also... They're basically like live-action animes. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm not simplifying it maybe too much, but if you want to get the tone right or like where your brain is supposed to be when you watch these movies is like think about Kill a Kill mm-hmm. and then watch Red Line because it's fucking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah, um I mean this is why I like so that 90s era of teen comedy is also because it's just like they know they're making some dumb shit and they don't <laughs> care and they, it's fine Spy Kids 3D <laughs> Shark Boy and Lava you got Sylvester Stallone in the movie five times <laughs> oh man how did that happen I actually I also own um, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters which I don't know if you guys have seen but <laughs> all right, should all really right. See it. Let me tell you what. That Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters should have been the first three minutes and the last ten and cut out the rest. That's what the movie should have been. <laughs> There's nothing in this movie makes sense. And I don't know how it got made. I don't know how they tricked Jeremy Renner to be in it. Holy shit, Will Ferrell was a producer on this movie that explains everything. See, I, I think... Um, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters is actually a great example of what I was talking about at the beginning, the ability to pick something apart and find the good bits, because in the, like, uh, final stinger where they've assembled a new witch hunting crew with that troll, it's the best part of the movie. You can make that square one for your campaign, and you don't have to worry about the sort of mismatched Frankenstein tone that plagues the middle bits. Uh, you don't have to worry about the first hour and a half of the movie. Yeah. I love in this movie they like clearly couldn't figure out how to make it seem like Hansel and Gretel weren't fucking each other because they're supposed to be brothers. So they <laughs> suddenly they imply heavily that Gretel's gonna fuck that troll, and it's really really weird. <laughs> <laughs> that is really weird. It's yeah. like. They were like they're like oh they got great chemistry oh no they've got great chemistry course correct course correct. I guess other ex- uh, examples would include anything with Roger Corman's name on it. <laughs> yeah, they're the the point about having no uh, irony and just being yourself and sort of proudly whatever fucked up thing your your movie is. Uh, I, I think maybe that's what really helps these ideas translate to a game session because otherwise, like if you were playing ironically, just play the game you want to play. Like, yeah, you, you can, yeah. you can make it a, a sort of self-aware joke campaign, but it's still earnestly that, uh, which is why yeah. I don't think pretension really works at a game table at all. It just, it, if it's clear that you'd rather be doing something else, like, why are you here, you know? You could be doing something you enjoy. You could be petting a dog, or eating some salsa, <laughs> taking a nice long walk, like... Or watching just, any of the movies listed above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, yeah, it's it's like there's no room for snidely looking down your nose, and you're, you're just like being, yeah, having fun. You're being invited to have fun, so why not just embrace it? If you look down your nose, you're going to see your own ass sitting in that seat anyway. So, like, come on, dog, come on. <laughs> You chose this. <laughs> no one forced you to be here. Well, I hope so. Uh, so does anyone have any other uh, thoughts on this topic, the, the genre of film, uh, the so- and the, the way it intersects with games? Yes, Ironicus, I, editing X, have something to add. Uh, I was curious about the meaning, the original meaning of the word exploitation in exploitation films. And as it turns out, like I suspected, uh, the title refers to uh, exploiting a current popular trend, niche genre, or as Wikipedia says, lurid content. So, it's interesting that the definition of an exploitation film is that they're shallow and unconcerned with the creator's desires and concerned with what they perceive to be the audience's desires to use current trends in such a way. But the thing that, of course, we end up loving about them is whatever the creator puts into them. Like, in Sharknado, they like sharks and they like tornadoes. So, contrary to the name, contrary to what you might the strategy you might employ by a mere dictionary definition of exploitation film in your games. Don't try to exploit what you think your players want. Just try to construct a scenario that you know that you will enjoy, and odds are very, very good that if your constructions are particularly inspired by exploitation films, it's going to work out. And I'd also just like to list some of my favorite subgenres of exploitation films because they definitely just kind of put the word in front of the movie, like black exploitation or Nazi exploitation or sex exploitation. And then there are the more interesting ones. There's one. There's a subgenre called Canuck exploitation, which, unlike other exploitation films, was a series of films that were uh, funded, supported by the Canadian government to kind of get the Canadian film industry off the ground. So those were a little shallower for the sake of quick release or for the sake of easy production. But again, that if you happen to have to make a game on the spot, just, just draw on your favorite cheesy movie. It's going to work out. I don't know about Intersection, but I guess like we're for the game we're going to be playing, we're definitely going to see a mix of that 70s sort of culture, funk stuff, but also it's got a... This game in particular seems like it fits well with the vigilante-style movies that are mm-hmm. that were very popular. Just stuff like Death Wish, You're Walking Tall, Dirty Harry, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, also, a lot of mob and other crime things, gangster pictures, and there's... Definitely a family resemblance that that runs through them all, uh, which is uh, where the which is where the adventure with... falls out in, in this sort of mashup. Yeah, it's. I think it's an interesting genre, and in the the way it sort of tackles like 
it tries they try so hard to tackle like societal the societal issue of like although like everything's crazy we can't trust we can't trust the government to save us so we gotta take out justice ourselves and sort of this like I don't know yeah, there's it's, like- it's something very I guess people find it really empowering like this idea the idea of vigilante justice and how these movies tackle that subject is just yeah. Like, you also get like all the best government conspiracy movies in the seventies, yeah. like mm-hmm. the Parallax View, and um, God, what's another good one I watched recently? Anyway, I'm like, it, it was a really paranoid like decade for mm-hmm. very good reasons, and that was like permeated through the culture, and so you end up with in like pop culture and schlocky like tasteless media and high art. This like wave of like we can't trust the government. We got to take justice into our own hands. Like throughout everything, there's also like an element of, in, especially in like black exploitation films too, because like they can't trust the government. You're black. <laughs> yeah, the police a, will not help you. They will shoot you. That's like a, just an actual fact that people were making movies about. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and, and there's also an element of I think misunderstanding as well, like. Specifically in the case of Death Wish, that's the whole point of the original Death Wish story was that Charles Bronson's character was a was the bad guy because he was a psychopath who kills people. But when they made the movies, they thought he was the hero, so they played him as the hero, and it sort of spawned a whole series, a whole franchise mm-hmm. of like, yeah, cheer for this guy as he shoots these quote unquote thugs in the streets. The the empowerment of uh, your central character, I think, is another thing that really goes along with tabletop gaming, where that's the expectation. Like, everything outside of horror, because everyone else you meet is a game construct. You're really the only people. So, of course, you're empowered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like, by its very nature, the story actually does revolve around you. So <laughs> yeah. It's why we can get away with such ridiculous nonsense in 13th Age. <laughs> We're the <laughs> heroes. Much. That and I'm gentle. Uh, <laughs> we would be dead like thirty That's times over that. in our campaign. Oh yeah, like fifty things should have killed you. Me specifically. Um, well, last time I played D and D, people I was with like three comedians and like two actors. It was a really big group, very unwieldy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would keep just doing jokes instead of playing the game. So my boyfriend at the time was the DM. And at one point, when the, le- the next time they just killed someone in a bar for no reason, he like literally put them on trial. And like that. Was- <laughs> <laughs> Did he trot out every single person they had wronged? It, it was the Seinfeld adventure? finale. Yeah, of course it was. Absolutely, <laughs> did. he absolutely did. <laughs> See, that'd be really fun, right? And like, even I mean, yeah, it is the Seinfeld finale. It is um, interesting, and it is like empowering that central character, but like um, not quite in the way that they expected at all. <laughs> I think if we did that for our campaign, it would be an, a nine-hour podcast. <laughs> well, no, no, no. We do we do each person one at a time, so it'd be like five three-hour podcasts. There's <laughs> <laughs> three separate suits against these people. <laughs> They're all going to be done at once, just rapid fire. So, uh, and then, like, two of us get out with diplomatic immunity. 
So with that, I think we've had a pretty fruitful discussion, and uh, you, the home listener, can uh, take heart in, in uh, thinking about uh, these perspectives and uh, applying them to your own games at home, and we will see you in that very next file you see in your feed, where we will play Spirit of 77. Thanks. Good night, folks. See you soon. Bye. Bye.